Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man, I mean, the Carnage Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into everyone's favorite psychotic symbiote, and what would a symbiote be without a host? And that's me, uh, J.J. Hodges, and of course, joined again by the uh, always handsome, always awesome, always super cool, I don't know, a bunch of those nice words. It's, It's Nico Caruso, folks. You're too kind to me, my friend. You definitely are not taken over by a symbiote because they would not have said all the kind things you just did. Thank you very much, my friend. Honored to be a recurring guest on a show about, in my opinion, the greatest and my favorite fictional character of all time. So, well, Spider-Man, that is. Carnage, different story. I forgot we're talking about Carnage today. <laughs> hey, it's a spooky month. It's a dark month. So we'll be talking about the, uh, actually, the antithesis of Spider-Man. So Yes, in a in a really... Uh, kind of perfect type of Halloween-ish story where oh, I, think, yeah. I think Carnage is arguably at his scariest. I would uh, agree with you. And uh, folks, this is uh, this is absolute Carnage. Um, this story ran in uh, the free comic book day uh, Spider-Man half of that comic that came out in May 2019. Uh, the rest of the story was August 2019 to... Uh, November 2019, um, Absolute Carnage number one through five, written by Donny Cates, penciled by Ryan Stegman, inked by J.P. Mayer, J. Listine, Ryan Stegman, colored by Frank Martin Jr., and lettered by Clayton Cowles. And, wow, they they brought quite a uh, moody atmosphere to this story. Yeah. It, uh, it, it's almost, I, I think in every shot, it's pretty much always raining. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like seven. So it's like immediately off-putting. And man, it, that free comic book day issue, which sounds weird to say. And then, cause I bought this comic, so shouldn't I have gotten that part of it for free. I don't know. <laughs> Too late to complain about that now, but <clears throat> you know, the, that, uh, teaser opening is, uh, I mean, if if that didn't get you pumped up and questioning what the hell's going on, then I don't I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> no, absolutely. I uh, first of all, Donny Cates is one of my favorite comic book writers. Period, and yeah. um, mainly in the Absolute Carnage because we're talking about the the, the five issues. There's a lot yeah. I read around it too that we'll get into at some point. But mm-hmm. Ryan Stegman also, um, I feel like he's an artist that's not talked about enough right now. He is he's fantastic, and you're right, he's very moody but it fits the tone of the story. And um, yeah, this story is epic. It was a, there's a really cool hook in that free comic book day issue. And mm-hmm. it, it, it puts Eddie Brock in somewhere that he really hasn't been. And carnage, whenever he's included in any Spider-Man story, like when we talked about the, the first three issues, he appears just his presence terrifying. And yeah. that he is like the Joker in, in a lot of ways, 
when he's included in the story, no matter the no matter the quality of what came before or what's around it, when when he shows up on those pages, or when you feel he's coming, and will appear on those pages, it 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 does invoke something. It does invoke something in you. Uh, I mean, for sure. It it's uh, what what gets me excited about it is feeling like like Donny Cates and and Ryan Stegman are just so in sync that mm-hmm. I. I almost feel like I'm flipping through storyboards for a movie, you know, or, yeah. or there is a movie in my head being played, um, which is, you know, I talk about this all the time with, you know, this podcast and, and the other, but it, it it's tough to have that, <laughs> have that symb- symbiotic relationship. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> there it is um, with, uh, with, you know, writer and artist because the, you know, if, if one stands out over the other, then it, it it can hurt the book, but when it all fits and it all works, then it's like, oh, like this is perfect. I'm not thinking about anything other than what an awesome story I'm reading. I think that's a great point. And um, we talk a lot about just, you know, we do a lot of shows and our friends in the community do a lot of shows about comic books. And there's the concept of, yeah, the writing can be strong, but in a lot of places, the artwork is, at least for me, storytelling that happens in the artwork and i feel like in this industry the writers get a lot more credit than the artists and i will say kate does a hell of a job in this book and in my opinion on this entire venom run Mm -hmm. but man ryan stegman and him you're right are in such a good such good sync here and i think it's because they are such good friends and they did uh, create the character of Noel together and they did conceptualize this idea for this whole venom run together. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just tell that there was a lot of passion and work that went into this. Sometimes there's crossovers that happen and there's the crossover in the last couple decades of comic books. It can't help, but feel sometimes they're just trying to sell books yep. and a lot of them pretty recently including a few of the dc ones have felt pretty underwhelming mm-hmm. this one i will say actually had i think the proper build-up to it but even just reading the five issues they're so accessible and the story does feel really really polished start to finish so it it was a nice welcoming surprise especially for marvel who's been doing anything more than dc yeah. it was really cool to see a marvel crossover really in my opinion deliver it that's that's such a good point too because um I think with Marvel, they there was a period of like from from like you know like twenty ten to twenty like fifteen sixteen they did you know like it it felt like you know universe altering event after universe universe altering event you know like it happened like I don't know like four or five times to the point where it was just you know I was reading articles about people running comic book stores and saying you know, the customers drop off after, yeah. after the first couple issues, because then they're hearing that there's another one coming. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. wait for that one. And, and I remember that. And I remember being really annoyed and, and they stopped at least for a while when uh, they did their version of the, the new version of secret wars. Um, yes. But uh, so to have something like this come back and it's centralized in a smart way with, kind of you know really the protagonist is eddie brock it's not even spider-man in this um but to centralize it around him and his journey and then 
and then we can throw in oh here's spider-man here's miles morales you know here's mm-hmm. the maker you know which i totally forgot was in this book uh oh yeah <laughs> and um you know and then you know every other character that's had a uh, a symbiote attached to it um which should be most of New York after the one uh, Mighty Avengers uh, Venom Bomb. <laughs> it is, yeah, it, it is most of everyone in that whole area yeah. <laughs> of the continental United States of America. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, so it makes, it makes it fun, but it also makes it so that we have, you know, one character who, you know, pulls Spider-Man into it we can follow them around and um, we're not dealing with every other blah, blah, blah that's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. The one thing I appreciate about this crossover is this was one that a lot of times the crossovers in all of comics, especially recently, like I said, mainly the last couple of decades, they try to pack a lot into the five, six, however many issues it is. Mm-hmm. For this story, what I can tell you is because I've read the Venom issues and I've read several. So I also have the omnibus of it. I've read a lot of what happened around this story. This crossover did a really good job of a lot of the supplemental characters and stuff. It's really in their Mm tie-ins. These five issues do not leave Eddie Brock. Yeah. Hardly at all. Mm. And when they do bring in other characters... They are so supplemental and complimentary. It's not a crossover where like the third issue is all about Captain America. And we're like, right. okay, wait a minute. Where was he before? Where is he after? So like, you feel like you need the tie-ins. You do not need the tie-ins to get this story. I will say, if you read the Venom issues that go with it, it makes it a little bit better, but the five issues are very focused, which a lot of these crossovers, I think struggle doing. Yeah. They barely leave Eddie. And what's cool a lot of Spidey inclusion in here. And this is the usually 11 months out of the year. It is the Spider-Man book club. Okay. I will say this just as a caveat. We'll, we'll, we'll get this out of the way now. Cause I'm going to forget. Okay. I love how Kate's right. Spider-Man. And I mm-hmm. love how Stegman draws him. Holy hell. I was actually really hoping uh, when Kate's announced he was done on Venom, when they did King and black or whatever. And he said, he's taking over another Marvel book. I was actually really hoping he was going to take over Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. He ended up taking over Hulk, and that's a whole different story in conversations. And uh, Ewing and uh, Kate's switched characters went from Hulk to Venom, Venom to Hulk. Yep. Um, but I really like we'll, – we'll give a little bit of our Spider-Man uh, praise in here. Love the way he writes Peter and the way Stegman draws him. Fantastic. You know, it's it's funny because I was actually going to say the exact same thing. That, yeah. That I I love uh, the way Donny Cates uh, wrote uh, writes him, and I I really I was like, oh man, I just I want him full time on one of the Spider Man books. I want him. I wanted him on Spider Man so bad. And it's it's one of my uh, one of my favorite lines probably in any comic is when it's just like Peter or, or Spider Man is you know at the diner with Eddie Brock and his son. I. It you know, and he's just like, you know, trying to talk to the kid, and the kid's like, "You're a menace." And Spider Man's just like, "This is great. I'm so glad I'm here." <laughs> yeah, <great."> it's it's <laughs> perfect. It's it's, but they have he writes such a cool relationship between them. Like Peter explaining to Eddie, 
you know, you're going to have to tell Dylan because when these kids grow up without fathers and, 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 and he's relating to that yeah, and he's not even just talking about Richard, he's talking about uncle Ben. Even love um, when, when he hugs him at the end, he goes, and I'm honored and whatever we are to whatever we are to each other. And <laughs> yeah, they hug. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. But also, you know, Spidey makes a great promise that he will protect Dylan and then nothing will happen to him. And you, and you believe it. Yeah. And it is one because of their history together that, you know, as a comic book reader, as fans of these characters, but two Kate's and Stegman sell it with the writing and the art. Yeah. Uh, it, it helps that, you know, we feel that there's a history because there's kind of a literal reminder in that, you know, in Dylan, right? Um, yeah. It's like, oh, so this has been going on for a long time. And and I love that that there has been a uh, a change in their relationship, you know, as as fun as it was them being enemies and stuff. And, and my personal venom, I love him as the villain. But, you know, in, in this case, in this story, it, it just, it, it fits so well. And it, and it just, it resonated with me as a, you know, as a fan of Spider-Man and, and Venom's whatever they are relationship, right? <laughs> it, it The thing I love is, so this run, Donny Cates' Venom run, um, it's, you know, 30, I think it's 36 issues plus these two crossovers, Absolute Carnage, and then it ends in uh, King and Black. Mm-hmm. Um, I love... I, I spoke to this when way back, you know, at the beginning of COVID when the three jokers came out by uh, Jeff Johns is I love in comics when characters are finally allowed to progress. Mm-hmm. And there are some that are kept in a, in the same place for so long. And yes, you could still tell compelling stories, but that story literally actually for the first time in years changes the Batman and Joker's relationship. Yeah. Or at least how we see it. And for a while that Venom's been my favorite character. One of my favorite Marvel characters forever, much like yourself. Mm. And they did the whole villain anti-hero thing. And then the anti-hero thing got stale. And then they really had him in the gutter for a while with, you know, the anti-Venom stuff I go hit or miss for, and then they did the Flash Thompson thing for a while, and then uh, Scorpion was Venom for a while. Yep, yep. Um, and there, were, there was even the run right before Kate's where it was someone else, wasn't Eddie. And then Kate decided to progress Eddie Brock mm-hmm. and said, I wanted to bring Eddie Brock to a new place and progress him even more than, than just the anti-hero and how they did that was to make him a father. Mm-hmm. which I find utterly compelling. You know, I have a great relationship with my dad. So father son stories automatically hook me. I'm very lucky for that, yeah. but it was cool to see Brock and even us look at him in those vet and in those carnage issues. And then to see like how far he's come as a character and in turn to see carnage go from that to literal walking corpse, almost God level, yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. God level villain. It was just cool. And of course to have, Eddie progressed more towards the light and carnage continued to progress more towards that darkness is also very cool for the story. So I really appreciate Kate's taking the risk because it is a risk yeah. and trying to bring Eddie Brock to this place. He's never been in the Marvel universe before, which when this comic opens up, he is trying to, you know, recruit people 
mm-hmm. to stop this threat. And it's and it's very cool. And it's even on steroids what he means <laughs> to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in King and Black down the road. Yeah, I um I just got King and Black. I haven't read it yet because that that is one of the uh that that's probably my biggest disappointment with this story is that it does end on a cliffhanger um which yeah. which is <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 one of those good for them bad for me thing because good for them i'm going to buy the next thing mm-hmm. bad for me because that's you know 20 dollars less i have in my wallet um, <laughs> or however much it was but um so i'm excited to uh, to get into that um but i i i want to go back to something you said earlier about you can follow these five issues, this absolute carnage, and and it's and it flows pretty well. You you don't feel like you're missing anything, and I, I gotta say that I do agree with that because it's just so it's so common in crossovers. Um, I was reading what's it called uh, Joker Last Laugh from the '90s, mm. and if you were to just read those five issues, five or six issues, you know Joker Last Laugh. You have no idea what's going no on clue. in the story. No clue, man. That, and that's also famously a very bad story in crossover anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I was, I was going to say, oh, the, what a choice by you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious and I wanted to reread it. I was like, is it as bad I as everyone that. says? I, but, I, I, I respect that. <laughs> but uh, I, I felt like having, you know, and again, making the focus be Eddie Brock and then him bringing in Spider-Man. Um, it and have it be kind of like a it is kind of like a monster movie isn't it that oh they're they're, i love about it they're running to protect people against the the monster that's going to steal the the codex right um and and carnage isn't just going to like take it and run he's going to kill everybody that he sees and and that's and you know it's kind of like dr strange actually now i think about it (laughs) in the multiverse of madness um but it's also a classic horror movie trope. Like, you know, you're being chased by the, you know, whatever, you know, guy with the machete, guy with the, you know, chainsaw. And everywhere you stop, you know, potentially people are going to die. Um, except this is done with Venom and Spider-Man. So it makes it a million times better than those dumb horror movies. So <laughs> a million. And what I love, I, I, that's such a good, I never even thought of that. I love that you brought up. It's like a monster movie because with Carnage's new power, he just shows up. Yep. Like they'll be in a place and like Pete thought he was talking to Eddie, but it was really Carnage got in there. Yep. And just was hanging out and waited. It was so creepily waited for someone to start talking to him and actually got information out of Pete. Like that, that is one thing I really like about the story or like when it opens with that cliffhanger, it's not actually spoiler alert. It's not actually Eddie and Jay. If you're listening to this, hopefully you read it or we will spoil (laughs) some things that will get you to read it that are at the beginning. You, you, you are like, wait, why is Brock going crazy? Oh, wait a minute. Why is he red? Oh shit. That's carnage. Eddie Brock's not even there. He's watching it in times square. He's watching himself kill people on the screen in times square. It's carnage. Very, very cool. And what I'll actually say, um, I can't recommend the Donny Cates Venom run enough, JJ. Mm-hmm. So if after you read King and Black, if you go back and read all the you know Venom issues, which is an investment. If you have Marvel Unlimited though, they're all on there. But they tease that you know 
Cletus coming back and you see some of the cult stuff in the early issues and you know, he's eventually going to come. So um, that free comic book day is like the, Whoa, here we go. Um, But yeah, I, I, I like to, you are a big slot Spider-Man guy. Oh yeah. Yep. I've come to learn. (laughs) I myself, I'm not the biggest Dan Slott Spider-Man guy, but it's okay. We're friends here. It's not toxic Twitter. We are friends. We have differing opinions, yeah, but so we still good. love each other. <laughs> I do like one thing I did like in the slot run because mm-hmm. I was in and out of it. I did like the Red Goblin go down swinging story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heavily referenced in here with Norman mm-hmm. and with his inclusion. Once again, it is, it's a crossover, but it's so Spider-Man focused. Yes. Like we are with these characters, even like Normie, like, godson like, like they're all in there which is really cool also yeah. there's even callbacks to that story when venom at one point goes oh, i guess i'm just like spidey i'm gonna go down swinging or something like that yeah. like that was cool so they did that was the end of the near the end of the slot run uh mm-hmm. spider-man like 800 or whatever um i did enjoy that and i do think it's cool that like that it happened so close to this so yeah. that it's fresh and that Kate's even references the name of the story in the book. So I, I felt that was cool, but I do like how you brought up too. It's, it's a slow chase, the whole story. Yeah. They're, they're just buying time to try to figure it out. And I love how it ends on a cliffhanger because these types of endings, I love, which I actually think makes the story better. I love when the villain kind of wins. Yeah. And the character has to make a choice. That's either, selfless or selfish mm-hmm. and in this story i do like it's a selfish choice and he goes f the world you assume he swears f the world no yeah. one's taking his son and he kills carnage and goes all right now we got to deal with no guys sorry but i'm not gonna let him take dylan which most of the characters in marvel would have done yeah yeah for sure so that's a cool moment for brock too it, it's uh it, and it's so interesting that I don't know. It's it's not something you'd expect out of that character. No. You know? So like you were, like you were talking before about his progression. Um, it's it's the only way these characters are going to stay interesting and, and exactly and, and fresh and and so for him to have that kind of antihero choice is uh, and and probably not one he would have made. You know, maybe you know, ten years ago. Who knows? Um, I would even say shorter than that. Yeah. Yeah. very near future or very near past mm-hmm. and it, it's just it's great to see that happen because then we as the fans are going okay like now what now anything can happen you know in the next uh in the next volume uh which is pretty exciting you know like, at least from where i'm sitting um <clears throat> but um shoot i lost my train of thought um <laughs> uh it's all good brother <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I think uh, w- that really attracted me to the story, uh, you were talking about Norman earlier, is um, that there is follow-up from the Red Goblin story. Mm-hmm. So he's lost his mind and he thinks he's Cletus Cassidy. And then that sort of pisses the real Cassidy off. And and he just kind of keeps Norman around like a lapdog. And it's like, you know, don't, you know, don't say that name. That's not who you are. And it's just... It's so bizarre, but like it's so in character, right? You know, like it's it, it's oh, so it's creepy. so in character, and you're right, it is creepy because his his 
dialogue in here. He has that crazy monologue where he's like, I am sex. I am violence. I am like, I'm the God of all that. Yeah. Yeah. And everything he does is so effective too, because he's literally just like, and this is where the art is fantastic along with the writing is he literally is just like a torso yeah, yeah. <laughs> with like the bone hanging out and when you see his face like he's always drawn like just like uh like floating on just red with all his little goons coming out of it right, right but yeah it's it's it was cool to see him have his own moments of like his own power struggle or his own psychoticness because he mm-hmm. he's he's dead but he's like cletus is still very like the soul of cletus cassidy is still very present right and this you're right this is the scariest and the most unhinged he ever is because he is going for world level domination here he's going for ultra everything mm-hmm. and um it also is very on brand with you know a lot of the serial killer stuff we see in the news they do get fans they do get cults so the fact that oh yeah cletus was brought back that way and he now because he is back from the dead in that sense he has actually achieved this godlike status which we also don't see we haven't really seen that at least in things i've read for a spidey villain before to get to mm-hmm. this level of power as themselves, you know? Right. Um, which is just cool. And, and to see the rest of the world and to pull in everyone who's been affected by the symbiotes before. So to see Gargan in there, to see Peter even be like, Hey, I started this whole thing. Yeah. And then they have like the venom talk to Eddie and be like, well, te- technically we spanned thousands of years on the cosmos so he wasn't the first one um <laughs> which is funny because and, and there's good humor in the book too I yeah said. yeah but yeah no well said about that i i love that there there was a lot of humor in it and you know like i, I think i think it's a scene i was talking about earlier when peter's or when spider-man says something about uh yeah he, he makes some comment and he's like can you just like like shut up or something and and you know, Spider Man's like, I hereby promise to stop being hilarious. And yeah, oh just, great, oh man, and it's just like oh, I, this is why Spider Man's the best. Um, but um, I I love that the uh, you know the, the characters that are coming in here. You know, when you have Captain America, when you have Wolverine, you know, when you have mm-hmm. um, uh, the Hulk, even uh, Bruce Banner. I I I never, and this is hard for writers to do i think i i never felt like any of them were off either right i agree like the maker who's a character i hadn't seen in forever um because i still have not read that secret wars um, yeah but but i know he was the uh the ultimate reed richards that kind of snapped and became evil you know and then is back in the regular marvel universe and i guess is trying to be a good guy um mm-hmm. That's comics, and that sentence was wild to say. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but I I like that uh, you know they, they all get together and they all have their own personalities. You know, and Stegman draws them all like very well, know, very very well. And you know, not to say that other writers haven't been able to do it. Obviously, there's been great Avengers writers over the years. Sure, but, but it is tough when you know you have this. You know, you got to give Cates like a lot of credit because you got to build up this massive event. You have to make it feel the the stakes feel personal, even though it's global. 
and you have to juggle, you know, like, you know, a hundred characters. It's uh, it's, it's a lot of work. There's, there are definitely times where you bring up something where you read a story and you're like, Oh, I don't really like how he's writing these characters. Mm -hmm. When caps in the book his presence is big and little and little quote unquote screen or page time, but you feel it. Love the whole love when the Hulk gets the symbiote, man. That's awesome. When he's like, I'm going to go to screw you. I'm going to this guy instead. And he really does a number. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, The other thing too, is that he also, Donny Cates is a very good comic book writer, in my opinion. Now, I have jumped off his Hulk stuff, not because I don't think it's good. I just don't vibe with what he's doing with it. But I do not think it's bad. But he's a very good comic book writer and he's very well respected by his peers. He, going back to what you said about how he wrote these characters and also going back to when we said how the story is really focused, he was smart where he how he chose to do this story in which he did not burden himself with using too many of those other characters too much Uh in this story. He used them with, with the right amount of time and the right amount of flavor, which he knew he was capable of. He basically knew his limits, right? If he had to write Captain America for four issues or had to um, bring in these people, he wasn't writing because he, because he was doing Thor. He was doing some characters in the Marvel universe. Who's not present in the story. Thor is not in the story to my memory. No, he's not in the story. I don't think so. He isn't. Yeah, well, I don't spoil that for you. <laughs> he, he might be in the other one. A wink. Um, <laughs> so it is. It, it he. I, it, it was also respectable to see him know his limits too, because sometimes these guys go crazy in the crossovers and they try to do, like, because they go, oh, well, I'm going to write, you know, Captain America into this story for the whole five issues, and then you're yeah. like, well, wait a minute, where's Brock? Where's Spidey? So he 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 knew to stay consistent with what he's already doing on the mm-hmm. Venom run, and then he brought in the people when he needed to in the right amount for fun and it works yeah and and it also just it helps with the pacing too yeah you know we're not keeping up with you know four or five different subplots you know there's there's a couple but it's it's enough within five issues to feel like okay i feel like this story got wrapped up and now they're teasing the next one which is cool um and you know, but it's it's one of those things, you know, you were talking about Donny Cates doing Venom at the same time. He's one of those writers, I think, like um, the really great uh, event writers, I think, are Jeff Johns and um, Brian Michael Bendis, because... Oh, yeah. Whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever book they were doing, like I remember when Bendis was on um, the Avengers um, and he split them up into the Mighty Avengers and uh, New Avengers you know, there was secret invasion going on. So there was yeah. some little stuff going on in those books. And Jeff Johns did the same thing, like with Blackest Night, with his Green Lantern book. And it's just, I, I, I don't know how you can process all that. You know, I can barely keep track of myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, likewise. But um, it's it, it's it's exciting because you, I, I, I feel like they understand, okay, if I'm going to do the event book, then the actual, like, you know, like, if I'm going to do Absolute Carnage, then Venom has to be supplement material that isn't required reading. Um, because I, you know, like I mentioned Joker Last Laugh, but there's been events in recent years where I've tried to, you know, get into it. And then by the time part two comes out, I'm like, I, I'm done. I, I shouldn't have to spend 
$50 a week to, you know, follow this, this one story. And I think that uh, Kate's uh, did a really great job of that in this book, just making it, you know, like you'll, you'll get a richer experience if you read the other stuff. But uh, in my case, I haven't yet. So it, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so well said and you're right. It is hard. I also think it is sometimes these sometimes these crossovers aren't built the right way mm-hmm. and this is why i like the run and why i think both crossovers i mean the war of the realms was at the beginning too he had like the thor venom tie-in at the beginning of this run too that was, oh, that was yeah, yeah. it was only like a few issues and it didn't have it i don't think it had its own title it literally t- just took place in venom and thor issues um is that he's building it the right way. He started from the very opening pages of Venom, mm-hmm. this whole idea of Null and everything. And Null was even sprinkled in you know, Thor and Silver Surfer Black and other things he was writing too. So he had a big um, he had a big handprint on this very early on. Yeah. Which a lot of these it feels like when a lot of these recent crossovers happen, they're not building them as well like in i haven't read dark crisis but for example that kind of just came out somewhere right they yeah, yeah. they did the infinite frontier thing and then that didn't really come back till the opening pages of dark crisis right like right. there was a lot going on in the dc universe it's not like you know williamson did it uh when he was still writing flash and he started it and then he was starting it in this teen titans book and then mm-hmm. You know, and then it all came together. It, it it kind of was like, oh, here's Dark Crisis. Here we go. We're killing the Justice League. And it's like, well, none of them are in this crazy spot. You mean all of a sudden in Justice League 75, they're just going to die? Yeah. All right. Like, go off. Sure. And, I, and I've heard mixed things about that. So I, listen, I'm not sure how, how that story is. I'm not even. I'm just <laughs> saying this was why this story works, why these five issues work so well is mm-hmm. This one writer was building it for a long time before. Yeah. And, and was building it in other parts of the Marvel Comics world as well, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And which culminates more in King and Black, which is really cool as well. Just saying. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what Bendis used to do. You know, the uh, yes. Secret Invasion was, uh, was teased in like New Avengers number six, you know um from like 2006 mm-hmm. or something and or 2003 or four or something like that. i always forget how recent that story is yeah it's it's because it has big influence it was in the avengers cartoon there's a yep. series coming out you know and and it's a pretty recent pretty recent story yeah I, and i i'm very excited to see what they do with the series because i was not excited at first because i said that's my favorite marvel event and they're just gonna like do it without you know, Cap and Iron Man and all this. Yeah, stuff. I was the same way. But that tra- I, that trailer sold me. I thought with Captain Marvel it was going to be like a post Endgame thing. I so fun fact, brief segue, brief tangent, but that's what we do best on podcasts. Yes, <laughs> especially us too, because we always have a great conversation. I'll say this every show I'm on. You and I have great conversations on these yep. airwaves. I literally look forward to it every time. That's why I'm like, we we will make this one work. I promise. <laughs> Is I actually thought before we knew what we knew because. Before Endgame, we're like, oh, we're going to get Endgame. And then there's like Far From Home, and then that's it. Like, we, yeah. we, we didn't know what was coming after. We knew like the Disney Plus things were coming. 
I literally thought in Captain Marvel they were going to start teasing Secret Invasion mm. and Endgame was going to end and people were going to come back and blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to get teased like, wait, are the heroes actually back or is it the scrolls? Like, did they get oh. kept somewhere? Then Captain Marvel happens and like the scrolls are like the good guys. And I was like, what? And then <laughs> we don't see them for a little bit. And then they're like, Secret Invasion, a Disney Plus series. And I'm like, this was a, this was a, massive marvel comics event in which the heroes could not trust each other but i think the way they've actually scaled it down it looks great on the show so it's one of those where like i am curious because you're such i do like the crossover but you really you 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 said it's one of your favorite crossovers oh yeah really hope they adapt it in a way that's entertaining and good for you as well yeah because like for me for someone who really loves let's say i really love flashpoint mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite comic books of all time i'm yeah. a massive flash fan the fact that there the flash movie sounds awesome but the fact that it is basically a version of flashpoint and we're not getting you know thomas wayne and we're not getting the war of atlantis and themiscara and we're not probably going to get like weak superman and like i don't know if we're getting reverse flash or not i'm like oh hopefully they <laughs> remix it in a way that i enjoy it for the screen and i'm not like damn i wish i saw that classic right flashpoint story so anyway i digress tangent over <laughs> uh that's that is a good point about uh about those how they're handling those adaptations and it's always a little weird to me um but because uh, i don't know i i would be uh, an annoying loyalist, probably like Zack Snyder doing Watchmen. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I try not to be right. Like I, I, I was, I went through a brief period of fandom way before I knew you when I did turn into like, a, it's, it's when the MCU got like huge mm-hmm. and I like, like post civil wars when it like, it was like, Oh wow. It's, it's the biggest thing in the world. And like the the fact that the mcu story was going on and of course like the general audience and people who became fans just through the movies were like oh that is the stuff i would sit there sometimes like under my breath and be like well i read comics and (laughs) no that's not why civil war actually happened right in fact in the comics there's a lot more consequences and cap dies no man it wasn't the sokovia Accords. you know it's dumb stuff but i quickly got off that and i'm more open to adaptations now but then there are some things though where like if they do the black suit again for spidey he's got to look comic book pages i ain't doing this i ain't doing this different thing again i'm not doing emo holland again like let's do this better uh, but you know because we're all a little biased at the end of the day because we're all fans yeah it's in I didn't mind the way it looked in uh, in Spider Man Three. Um, I'm just, with you. I do enjoy it. I, I just like it. I just thought he didn't spend enough time in it in the movie. I agree. Uh, I so, agree. But um, but no, I I, I I totally agree that I'm hoping that the next Spider Man movie is uh, has some version of the symbiote because that that was teased at the end of um, No Way Home, of course. So I, I you know. And you're right. There's no reason not to get comic book accurate when we've had, you know, I don't know, like, I mean, just She-Hulk. <laughs> you know, just right. Like that, that, well, that. they're over too with uh, Dark Phoenix. Oh, that's that's so <laughs> so that I mean, I I guess that's subjective, but I think you can pretty much say they're over two with that. Story. Oh, I 
I'm not disagreeing. On the big, on the big screen. Yes. <laughs> on the big screen. Um, but uh, but quickly back to uh, back to this story. Yes, my apologies um, for the tangent. I, I uh, what so uh, because you read them and I I didn't. What what was going on in the in the Venom tie-ins to Absolute Carnage? So yeah, so what's cool about the Venom tie-ins is they're just a little bit more time with Eddie and Dylan, mm-hmm. um, which heightens their relationship. So it oh this starts. Uh, the venom issues that take place around this are 16 through 20 mm-hmm. um issue 16 is when he first it comes before the free comic book day issue mm-hmm. um he starts getting a taste that cleanest is back gets all scary gets all scared about it it mm-hmm. goes to the um the free comic book day where he's watching it on times squares and times square and the opening of absolute carnage number one mm-hmm. um and then the first one is a lot of showing you him and Dylan, you know, he's trying to make ends meet, trying to support him. Cause at that point he's freshly with Dylan now about 16 issues in then the two in the middle are um, Dylan and Normie mm-hmm. um, hanging out with sleeper, the symbiote who turns into the cat. Oh, okay. Who, yeah. Like comes to help them. That's right. Um, that's right. And they're trying to avoid the maker. Cause Normie's not supposed to go in the thing. And mm-hmm. so he's trying to do that. And then the symbiotes attack. They try to fight some of them off. And then the other one is a lot of Spidey and Venom together holding off the symbiotes while Dylan and Normie are there. And then the last two are, um, which one takes place during and then one takes place after Absolute Carnage 5 are just like um, Dylan finally realizing he's his dad and Eddie, you know, telling him he's never going to leave him. Like he'll be there. So it's just more on their relationship. They're not crazily essential, but um, in, in the grand scheme of the run and the story, it just gives you more time with Eddie and Dylan to make you care a little bit more. Like when he chooses to kill Carnage at the end, you're, you're like, okay, okay, wait, I really understand why now. And, and that was all written by uh, Donnie Cates. Yes. 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 All those were written by Cates. So that so that does help the the flow of the story. Um, yes, and it's it's tough when you have the the other tie-ins because I I remember getting a bunch of the tie-ins for Blackest Night back in the day, and uh, a, a bunch of them were written by Jeff Johns, and um, but obviously the majority of them weren't. So it was interesting to me seeing how people would take his notes right and yeah process their version of it because I didn't think it always worked or. It doesn't. It's a selling thing. Like I went, so I have the omnibus for this. Yeah. I did not read this when it came out. I did because Marvel puts out their stuff so near like this omnibus probably came out and it wasn't even a year since the story was over yet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this came out right before King and black to get you excited for King and black. So by the time I got this omnibus, I was reading Kate's venom run into King and black. And I did something crazy I had not done since, man, I was a boy first, first <laughs> reading comics with Civil War back in, you know, 07. Yeah. I was getting a lot of the tie-ins. I was paying for a lot of the tie-ins. And I would read the tie-in and be like, this has nothing to do with anything I'm reading in Venom or King in Black. Right. I'm like watching like Black Cat. It was cool, but like fight symbiotes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she's not even in the main issue to like the last one for a panel. I'm like, right. 
it was fun, but I don't think I needed this. <laughs> I didn't need to yeah. pay the three ninety nine for this. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of the times now the times, I mean, the sure the writers would be like, no, screw you. We try to do something there. I'd be like, yeah, but I would say to the editor, you, you were looking to entice people to buy more of the titles. Don't, don't, don't you lie. <laughs> I know that what it is like the spider Gwen issue. I'm like, this has nothing to do with what's going on. It's just not even in this anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and spider Gwen has annoyingly become such a cash cow for, I, I don't Yeah. And I don't, I, <laughs> That's another podcast, my friend. That's another podcast. The same way it happened to uh, Thomas Wayne's Batman, too, in my opinion. Uh, I, you're 100 percent right. It yep. happened to Thomas Wayne. John's actually saved it with the uh, Flashpoint Beyond, where he actually gave that character something of real substance again. Yeah, yeah. That he spider. Those are probably the two. If if we have to look at like character in the last like. 10 years that's become a cash cow i would say yeah. thomas wayne's batman and spider gwen yeah are at the top of the list at least top five um i would also include the batman who laughs um, oh god i don't the metal stuff for me was uh, once again we could have there are loads of other podcast episodes in this mini conversation we're having <laughs> that we will have we can go all night i will not go down that rabbit hole that one is also Jesus, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, whew, I upset the guest, everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm not upset at you. I'm upset at capitalism. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. <laughs> way. Um, but um, I think what uh, like something like this, uh, what you know, when we were actually um, so a little behind the scenes here. Uh, we were actually going to talk about Maximum Carnage because I we were in my head. I was like, "Oh, well, that's like his first big crossover. It's you know that'll be a lot of fun to reread." And it it was not that much fun to reread <laughs> because what what I'll give Absolute Carnage versus Maximum Carnage is that uh, Absolute Carnage does its job in you know five and a half issues, whereas it's fourteen for Maximum Carnage. I yeah. And you're kind of going through the same thing over and over and over again. And there's a lot of great stuff in it. Don't get me wrong. But um, like, I totally forgot that the spider doppelganger thing was in it. And, you know, and that's, he's kind of a scary character. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when you suggested absolute carnage, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, that was a good one. And, and just, Honestly, it just to me it was scarier than it's Max definitely like you texting me. You're like, damn, this is way more of a Halloween vibe. Yeah, and I'm like, you're you're damn right because it is scary. <laughs> it's like a monster movie. It's yeah. like a runaway monster movie. And it uh, yeah. and I like that it doesn't uh, like you said before. There's really good humor in it. There's really good action. So it's not just you know this one off scary issue or whatever in another universe it it still feels like it's a part of the marvel universe which i have this weird thing with writers i really like that i always worry that their work is going to get i don't know ignored or something so seeing norman osborne in this was cool like oh that's where we left him so that makes sense that mm -hmm. you picked that Kate's up Kate's is really good about that He's really good there's a lot he does in this venom run mm -hmm. especially with some of the flash thompson stuff um 
And with this thing with Norman, he really does respect where he's bringing in characters from. I will say that he's very good about that. It's, you know, and because I've, I've read stories where they don't do that, you know, mm-hmm. where, where they just, the writer puts Norman Osborn where he wants him to be versus where exactly. he is. And it's, and that to me is just because then later somebody has to come in and explain why he was like that. Yeah. And it, it's like, that's just so much work. Like just pick it up where it was put down and, <laughs> you know, like, like Kate's did obviously. And, and it really, um, you know, it, it made me happy as as the reader, feeling like I'm not missing out on anything. Like, like, oh crap! Now I have to go back and read, you know, Minimum Carnage first, which is an actual comic book that came out. <laughs> um, so, um, but then again, it's. But I think using Cletus the way he was in this, it it, it gave him something different to do. Um, yeah. So he's trying to achieve godhood. He's not just like Maximum Carnage, just 14 issues of him killing throughout New York City. And, yeah. And it's like, okay, that, that that's a good story for like half the price, you know? Um, and that's part of the problem with Carnage anyways. We talked about in our first episode was that, you know, he, he can be kind of one note. Um, yes. So it's important to, to do something different to have had the red goblin to now have this creepy, you know, like, uh, you know, like swirly symbol on his forehead, which was cool. That's a cool little addition there from Stegman. That's a really cool touch. Yeah. I, I liked it because it's, it's, again, it's something unique. It makes him, it just makes him look less human. And yeah, the scary thing about carnage, I think is that he's always felt inhuman anyway yeah Uh, like his beautiful point my friend and it's you know like where venom you know is monstrous but at least humanoid whereas you know and i love the way that carnage is always described you know it's oh it's like his skin was was living blood or something yes oh it's just so gross um and and I will give Venom to that that their Carnage in that movie. I, I was really just gonna awesome. say I, I was just gonna I love you. I was just gonna say he <laughs> looks great in his own. He looks great in his film, by the way. Yeah, and I thought Woody Harrelson was a great choice for that. Role. I agree. Uh, I agree. I think we talked about this on the last show we did. Maybe. I just not like that deja vu about us you talking about Woody Harrelson in a great way, not yeah. not a bad call back to the last show. <laughs> um, the, the one thing I like about this too, and this is probably going to sound like an insult. It's not. When I said earlier that this is ultra accessible, mm-hmm. I think it's ultra accessible too. Like if you're a fan of Venom or Carnage or even just like Marvel, I'm like, hey, you you can read these five issues and you got it. You're good. It's It does do some different things. There are some cool elements, like you said, with Cletus, with you know Eddie as being a father, but it's also not, super heady yeah like yeah. for the comic binge and i'm loving this by the way uh we're covering infinite crisis mm-hmm. now we are reading a lot of the supplemental stuff because it does help it now that's a story where you need some of the supplemental stuff a lot of that dc yep. stuff those mid 2000 dc stuff you needed the supplemental stuff especially yep. when you get to final crisis if you do not read the tie-ins those issues do not go together I digress. No, they, he's 100% right, folks. <laughs> it's a great story. I'm really enjoying it, but it's really heavy thematically. Yeah. yeah. It is 
heavy. There's all this morality stuff and you're reading it and it's like really wordy. This is like, you get the story, art's great, writing solid, and it's like heavy metal, let's go. I don't like the whole like turn your brain off thing. Like I don't believe in that because I'm like, no, you're just watching it for what it is. You don't have to turn your brain off to digest something. You could there's a lot of themes you can get in this story too. But right. this is like, okay, if you're looking to just read a nice five issue, really dope crossover story, I'm this is I will give this to a lot of people who are reading comics right now and say you will enjoy the story. You you want a venom story, you want a carnage story, do absolute carnage right now. It's mm-hmm. ultra accessible. Uh, that's a really great way to put it because I, I thought that too, having uh, not read Kate's run, um, but I, I think I knew that Eddie had he a, son. a He does a good uh, job of giving you a lot of it in these five as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's always uh, with, you know, and, and that's sort of the nature of these crossovers anyway. It's, it's meant to bring people in. Yeah. Um, good point. You know, Secret Invasion great, did that for fantastic me. Actually. Point. I, I I got back into Marvel because of that. I got back into um, Marvel because of this. Where it's that's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> so right, full, full circle. circle. <laughs> so um, th- uh, it it's interesting because you know the by the nature of it, it has to be a selling point for a number one. Yeah, you know you have to have get the audience caught up in with all this you know ex, you know um, you know exposition. Um, but it, to still make it interesting for the readers who are, know what's going on, that's a fine line that um, not all writers pull off Correct. when they do these things. And it, conceptually, too, uh, it's dope when you open that first issue because once again, like this is what got me. So they announced King in Black. I knew this came out, and I'm like, Carnage crossover, Maximum Carnage. I've been there. Pass, right? I was only yeah. I was in and out of Amazing, the Spencer run. That was the only Marvel book and Immortal Hulk. Those were the only Marvel books I was reading. And then I saw on like Instagram, they're like King in Black, Null. And I said, Yeah, there's a God of the Symbiotes. What? Yep. Yep. And then I'm like, Well, let me get that Absolute Carnage Omnibus because they say this preludes King in Black. So I got this Omnibus and then I started reading it. I'm like, I need to read this Kate's run too. So I was reading this and then the Marvel Unlimited catching up, caught up right before King in Black started, read that all the way through. But I opened Absolute Carnage one and said, The God, there's like the history lesson there. I'm like, So imagine just any comic book reader, if you're a fan of Venom or Carnage and haven't been in the comics in a while and opening that first issue and going, the god of the symbiotes they come been here since before time different different concept we haven't seen there's like venom island and stuff i get it there's multiverses but like oh there's a god of the right away it's a hook and he's not even in the story it's carnage that comes back but you're like right there's a god of the sim i I, i'm gonna keep because it's so (laughs) dope the god (laughs) of the symbiotes was trapped he's trapped right now and eddie's the key damn (laughs) you know what i mean like it's it's cool it's cool it is concept it it totally is um and 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 like you said it's it's such an interesting hook because i think even the most cynical of fan would go well i'll I'll check out yeah i'll check it out i mean like venom and carnage are cool but like wait like there's like a god it's probably stupid like let me see (laughs) right right (laughs) um but yeah, I mean, this story hooked me, and I'm excited to read King in Black. And 
and go back and get Cates' run now. Um, it's good stuff, man. I think it's good stuff. I think it's really good stuff. He's, uh, he's on that same level, I feel like, as like Grant Morrison, that they're their drinking water is just a little bit different from our drinking water. You know? Yeah, and <laughs> like what's cool is their brains work so different. different in different ways. You know, Morrison yeah, yeah. is really profound. And not that Cates isn't, but Cates is like, he's a metal guy. He mm-hmm. writes the way he is, which is cool because I've gotten so I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of his independent stuff. I've dove into really hard. I've read his Thor. Like mm-hmm. I said, I jumped off Hulk because there was little out there for me but he's like a man of the people and he writes so metal and he's really badass with it so he's like morrison's like this like thespian actor and case is like this action movie star that's gonna get you like that's what they are to me but you're right they're they are on the same level in sense of like they are so in their work yeah. Like I bet I've read enough of him if you put a comic book in front of me, I could mm-hmm. probably tell you that it's Donny Gates. Yeah. I could probably tell you that it's him. The same way I could definitely tell you it's Morrison, the way I could tell you it's probably John's, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. I could definitely he he is really he's on a he was on a really big hot streak there. I know he's cooled down a little bit, but he's got some really good stuff so also with that like substack thing going on and i feel like i'm not seeing a lot of his work because i don't do the substack stuff mm-hmm. um yeah i that's a really uh interesting way to put it about him and, and i i like that about him too that there's a you know and i say this every every you know <laughs> every episode the the emotional reality of the story felt real uh yeah. and that's and that's really <clears throat> that's the most important part because sure we're here for the disgusting terrifying looking carnage fighting you know spider-man and and venom and they both look like you know they can barely stand up like sure we're, we're here for that but you know at the core of it is the father trying to protect his son and we never lose sight of that in the story and it's great amen amen also i just thought about this i had to pull it up you were at new york comic-con right yes were you in the comic book panels at all or like the comic book announcements because the symbiotes are here to stay i forgot they're doing the summer of symbiotes in yeah 23 i thought king and black was they were done but i guess there's more hey i'm a sucker hashtag sucker for symbiotes like bring them back (laughs) but i just remember that as we were talking so i pulled up instagram when i saw that announcement i'm like i know nothing about that though it was their context or did they just say it um I, I didn't go to the panel. I read about it. Um, and there's stuff going on in in the Venom book that's going to lead up to it, I guess. Okay. See, I also jumped off that. I did not. That's a book I actually didn't like what they were doing at all. I thought it was mm. weird. Coming from K, they actually ended up, I thought that, my opinion, I thought that flip of those two writers yeah. would be genius. And then they both went too deep into what they were already doing. It works a little bit more for Kate's that the Hulk's book is like the Hulk book is like heavy metal smash start to finish. Yeah. But like on steroids mm-hmm. and like the venom book, all of a sudden being like very like pro how like profound and like spoil. I'm not sure if you're reading it, but it's like time travel E. Yeah. 
Okay. I was like, oh, we're getting into like how deep Immortal Hulk was. I'm like, uh, and like you'll see where King and Black and Venom end. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting, and I just don't think that interest matched in what Ewing and Rom were doing. But that's just me. But okay, so uh, they're gonna got me going back to this Venom run to understand Summer of Symbiotes. That's how they do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they do it. Genius in marketing. Uh, <laughs> it's also because the Venom movie. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it because they got the Venom films and oh yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. Spider Man's got the symbiote thing and the films going on again. So of course the comics are really gonna. You know, it's there's that funny correlation that happens when these movies come out sometimes. Like, I'm like, there's no coincidence that that's why Jeff Johns is getting his JSA book again. It's because the JSA was just on the big screen and it's in Stargirl. So absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, Well, Nico, this has been an absolute blast. I'm glad glad we got to do this. and on a much better story than we originally planned. So. Yeah, no disrespect, Maximum Carnage. It's just, it's, uh, I have, I don't dislike it, but I definitely don't love it, nor do I, nor is it something I would run to reread or run to tell people to read where this is the complete opposite. I'm so glad we did this. It was a yeah. blast. I would tell hella people to read this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I 100% agree. Uh, so, Nico, um, where can people uh, find you out there in the uh, the dark web? In the the dark web, yeah, no, definitely go searching for me in the dark web and tell me what you find, please, so I can call the police. No, um, <laughs> you could follow me everywhere at Nico Caruso. That's N I K K O C A R U S O. That's at Nico Caruso. Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox. I do film reviews on TikTok at Nico Knows Film. My name spelled the same way. Um, I do a podcast with my dad and good friend Zeddy called The Vigilante 1939. That's how I met all these wonderful people like JJ himself. We talk mm-hmm. about all the stuff, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, all the big TV movie stuff, some comics, not too much. Uh, I also have a, a Spider-Man podcast with my father and Mr. Pete Vera from Batman on film as well called The Italian Spider-Man Coalition. Three Italian guys talk about Spidey. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Spidey with a Goomba twist is what we always say. We talk some more comics, more uh, animated stuff, some movie news on there. And then I have a kiss podcast. If you like the rock band, kiss me, my father again, and Rob Myers from the, everyone loves the Drake, Tim Drake podcast. It's uh, three generations of kiss fans, three different perspectives talking about the band currently, but also historically. So just come to my Twitter, DM me, tweet at me. I will respond. I love talking to people online. So I've made some of the most wonderful friends uh, truly in the last two, three years. So uh, trust me, we're out here and we're just waiting for you to find us. Uh, he's hundred percent right. Um, I've loved all the people I've met through doing this. It's fa- um, fantastic. So, um, as for me, you can find me at Spider-Man books on Twitter, um, or my personal account, which is for comic junkies. That's F O R comic junkies. Uh, please, uh, write a review, subscribe, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, keep checking out the, uh, Spider-Man book club. And, um, you can also email me at, um, uh, spidermanbookclub at gmail.com and uh, that's it folks uh, we're going to end the way we uh, we have to end this with carnage and, and tell you all to let there be carnage <laughs>